promised you. It is a it's a message that is a Paul Sunday message. It comes out of the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21. I invite you to turn with me there this morning, if you would, for a little while. Matthew chapter 21. And today's message is entitled, The King is Coming. Amen. The King is Coming. Gen uh, Matthew 21, beginning with verse number 1. When you find it, if you would, stand as we honor God at the reading of His Word. In verse 1 of 21, it says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with him, with her, I mean. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on him, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitudes said, This is Jesus. The prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask God that you'll just use us, use it today to penetrate our hearts, change us into who you want us to be. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to say once again how wonderful it is to have Samuel with us and Carl with us. And we're glad to have Freddie back with us as well, as well as Monica and Arthur. <coughs> we're glad to have all of our, and Judy, we're glad to have all of y'all with us again today. And uh, I'll be giving it, I think I've already given out Bibles ex to everybody that's been a first time visitor, at least here before, except for Samuel and Freddie. Monica, did I give you one? No, I got one. Oh, okay. oh, you did get one? Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Then Samuel, you're the one that gets lucky today to get a Bible when we're done here today. Let me say this, folks. That Jesus is the only way to salvation. Jesus, by putting your faith and trust in Him and in Him alone. Now, does that mean that if I get saved, I can still live the old kind of life I've been living? No. Not by any means. Believe me. But what it does mean is that once you get saved, that you now have something you didn't have before. 
You've got the power of the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. And that's resurrection power. The power that raised Christ from the dead on Easter Sunday morning that we're going to talk about next Sunday. When it's that same power that lives on the inside of you. And you do not have to live under sin's domain anymore. You don't have to give in to this time that sin wants you to, to cave in to the temptations he sends against you. Whenever he's trying to get you to do things that a Christian shouldn't do. You don't have to do those things anymore. It's your choice still, though. There's still something called the sinful nature living on the inside of you. And it's still going to be hounding you day after day after day, trying to get you to mess up, trying to get you to go back to your old way of life. Because you may be thinking, well, when I was living like that, I didn't have a whole lot of problems. But since giving my heart to Jesus, man, it seems like they're coming out of the woodwork. But you know what? They're gonna, it's gonna all going to be worth it all when you see Jesus. It's all going to be worth it when you look at, to the Lord and hear those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, this is the verses that we just read was talking about that he sent his disciples to get that coat and that donkey. And what we need to understand is this, that our God is omnipotent omnipotent, omnipresent, and he's omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. Omnipotent means he's all-powerful. Omnipresent means he's everywhere present at the same time. And omniscient means he knows it all. So if you ever say, God, you're a know-it-all, what you're saying is, God, you're omniscient. Because he is. He is. He knows it all. And so what we need to understand is this, that God wants us, because how else would he have known that they would go to that city he sent them to and have them bring back a donkey and a colt and, and, and told them exactly where they were going to find them? And how would he have known that if he wasn't omniscient? But he is. And so therefore he told them where to go. They went, they found them. One of the translations I read getting studied up for this also told me this. It says that there were some people who actually said, what are you doing? But you know, this one didn't say that. But the one that I looked at earlier in the week, I looked at it and it said that there was a couple of people that said to the disciples, what are you doing? And they told them, the Lord has need of them. And they went ahead and sent them. And that's what I'm saying to us today is this. This. It's good that God knows everything. And that and and not only that, but because he's omnipresent, he sees everything. In other words, he sees you in your home. He sees you at Walmart. He sees you in your car. He sees you wherever you happen to be doing whatever you happen to be doing. He's, you're never out of God's sight. That's what the Bible teaches us. In one of the Psalms, I don't know what it is. I can't quote it off my head right now. But it tells you that you cannot go anywhere to get away from God. This, now, there was a guy dumb enough to try one time. His name was Jonah. He thought, well, God wants me to go and preach to the people at Nineveh, but I don't want to do that, so I'm not going to. So he gets in a ship. He pays his fare. He gets in a ship that's going the opposite direction from where he was wanting to be. 
And so, anyways, he, he didn't want to go to Nineveh. So the ship was going the opposite direction. But then, while he was inside the ship, a really bad storm came across. They start throwing stuff off the ship, trying to lighten the load, trying to do whatever these fishermen knew to do to make sure they didn't sink. Well, finally came down to the fact that Jonah said, throw me overboard. Because he knew he was the cause of that. So they threw him overboard. It was a big fish, the Bible said. Now, some people say a whale, because that's the biggest fish you can think of. And it may have been a whale, but I'm not going to say so. I'm saying it's a great fish. It said, come, he swallows him up, and he takes him to the shore because in a while that he <coughs> ships belly, he begins to pray. And he tells God, I'm going to go and do what you said. By the time he makes that decision, he's right there at the bank. And the fish vomits him up out onto the, onto the shore. And he goes in and in and he preaches the gospel. But the, the, I told the story to say this. And, and the city, I'll go ahead and give you the punchline. The city did give their hearts to Jesus, so they got saved. But anyways, my point is, is, and the whole story was this, that you can try to run from God. And I did a pretty good job of it, I thought, for 12 years. I mean, I, I knew I was called to preach when I was 15. But, you know, I decided to need my friends more than I need to preach. So I went ahead and, and uh, decided to give up on the calling. I chose the wrong path because I got out in the world, did all kinds of sinful things and everything. And then it was almost 27 when I came back to the Lord. But I ran for 12 years from God's call of my life. But he got a hold of me anyway. And here I am, praise God. So what I'm trying to say is this, folks. That don't run from God. Do what he's wanting you to do. Because you'll have to go through all kinds of different circumstances when you disobey the Lord. And I just encourage you today to make sure that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and that you're walking with him today. Because there's some people who made a decision to accept Jesus, but then they ended up going backwards. In other words, they went backsliding and they got away from God. And that may be you today. I don't know. because I don't know your history. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I do know this, that you can make that choice because of your sinful nature that still lives inside of you. You can choose to turn your back on God like I did for those 12 years. But you know what? God has a way of getting you back where he wants you to be. And all I'm saying is, is listen to the Holy Spirit's still small voice and he'll speak to you. And today may be your comeback. It may be ready, you may be ready to come back and give your heart to Jesus once again if you if you made that decision to backslide. So, anyways, all that to say this is that these guys went and got the colt and the donkey, they bring him to Jesus, and then it says that they began to put their clothes on the donkeys and the colt. And or not donkeys, donkey and the colt. Anyway. And that's actually a fulfillment of Scripture. Let me reread again. I think it's verse 5. I'm not sure. Let me reread it again. Because it says that it was a fulfillment of Scripture. It 
says in verse 4, All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and in sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a coat. colt. The foal of a donkey. I'm sorry. I, anyways, God wants us to realize that there's this is not the only passage of scripture from the Old Testament of the prophet Zechariah. Now, it's his only prophecy, but there's other guys that prophesied about Jesus coming as well, such as Daniel. He prophesied when Jesus would come. What would be taking place in history when it was time for the appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ to come into this world? And then another guy went ahead, and I think his name was Micah. He ended up prophesying about where Jesus would be born. That he would be born in Bethlehem. And so there's different scriptures from the Old Testament that point out that Jesus was coming. It took him a while, but you know what? He came just at the right time. He came at the time that God the Father said, It's time for you to go into the world, son. And he does. And he lived a sinless and perfect life. So that the day, when the day came, he would go to the cross of Calvary and get be able and willing to die for our sins. To give us eternal life through his death. Praise God. And you know what? We need to understand that there's other prophecies that's being fulfilled all around us. Such as the earthquakes that are going on in these different places in the world. Bible says in the end times, right before Jesus comes, things like that would be happening. And it also says that there'd be pestilence and diseases, there'd be famines. It also says that there'd be wars and rumors of war, and that's going on, more so than it ever has in times past. That's why I truly believe that Jesus is coming is going to be very soon. And I know I've heard it for over 58 years, but in light of eternity, it is going to be. What I'm saying is, I mean, he may not come for another thousand years, but I doubt it. I believe he's going to be coming very soon. And so we've got to be making sure that we're ready to be with Jesus. And so what we need to do today is we need to examine our hearts. We need to examine our hearts and see, am I ready to be with Jesus? Should I leave this place and be in a car wreck and die? Instantly, would I be, a, be be ready to stand before Jesus and say and hear Him say, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant." That's the question that we have to ask ourselves. But you know, the passage ends with this. The passage of Scripture ends with this. It says, "In a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road." Others cut down branches from the trees and, and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. That word Hosanna actually means save now. In other words, this was more than just an acclamation of praise unto the Lord. This was saying, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you're the Messiah we've been waiting for. I believe that you're going to uh, 
Deliver your people right now from the, this enemy that we've been conquered by. You're going to take the dominion of their, of their ways over us. You're going to take it all away and give us our freedom back. That's what they were expecting. A warlike Messiah. But guess what? That's not what they got. They got a Savior that was riding on a donkey or a colt to hold the donkey. And he was being very meek. He was being very gentle. He was very, being very humble. Because the kingdom that he came to set up was not an earthly kingdom. It was a spiritual kingdom. And he reigns from inside your heart. He comes in and he begins to clean house. He begins to take away the things of this world and puts himself and the things of God inside your heart. And you begin to live in a whole and different way. You begin to be that different person that 2 Corinthians 5.17 says you are. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In other words, you're no longer the same person. And you're no longer under your own management. Your heart now belongs to the Lord. He's supposed to take full control of your life. And... Paul says it best in this verse. It says, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by, in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, so it's not us anymore, folks. It's not supposed to be us, put it that way. There occasionally is that we're, we're still doing stuff we shouldn't do. I mean, sad to say, but that's what the real deal is. If we actually are honest, uh, we, we take a look at our life and we understand that there's still going to be times that we sin. But did you know what? There's a good thing to know about that. The Bible says that if I sin and I confess it to him, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. It also says this. It says that I have an advocate with the Father, which means he's like my attorney. He's my defense attorney. And he does a good job. He's never lost a case. And he never will. Praise God. And so what I'm trying to say is this, is that as these people were crying out, Jesus, we know who you are. You're the Messiah. But they were looking for a different kind of and that's why I believe a lot of people of the Jewish race doesn't believe Jesus has already come. He has. And he's coming back again. The king is coming. He's coming on this day in the time of history that this took place, but he's also coming again. And we've got to be ready for that. And you know, the Bible tells us this. It says, who is this? In other words, it says that they, the, when he came into Jerusalem, it said that the town was moved. That actually means there was a big, great promotion taking place upon his entrance. Not anybody else's. I'm sure that day, I, didn't, I don't know for a fact, because it's not in the scripture, but I got a feeling there was more people coming riding in on donkeys and colts other than Jesus that day. But you know what? He's the only one that report, where they record it says, who is this? In other words, they took notice of it. There was something about Jesus 
that just drew you to him. There was something about Jesus in his, even though it says it wasn't his comeliness, it wasn't his appearance. He wasn't necessarily a, a G, GT or GQ kind of guy. In other words, he he's not a, a man male model or anything. He's not he's not something that you would just immediately think he's the most handsome person you've ever seen in your life. But what I'm saying is is that there was something about Jesus, just like in his teaching, there was something about Jesus that set him apart from the others. Because they said, "Who is this? He's preaching. He doesn't preach like the scribe." In other words, there was just something about Jesus. There's a song that we sing sometimes called Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. And you know what? There is. There's something about Jesus that draws you to him. And that's what happened with me. I hope it's what's happened with you and, and everything. And so what I'm trying to get across is this. That they misidentified him by their response. They said, this is Jesus, the prophet of, the, of Nazareth from Galilee. He was actually from Bethlehem. But still, they were recognizing him as the Messiah. And saying, Hosanna. So what I'm saying to you today is this. That Jesus can set you free. He can take you right now. No matter what you've done in your life. Because let me share this real quick and then I'm closing out. Before I got saved, this the, the second time I guess you could say, uh, the Lord uh, wanted to save me that night as I was on my fourth arrest. I was sitting in the Lusteric jail system in Dallas, Texas. And as I sat there, I began feeling the Lord speaking to me. And anyway, long story short, I started trying telling God how he couldn't want me back after all the stuff I've done. And I started listing for him all my sins. And finally, all I could say was, but God. And God just kept saying, come on home. And I said, okay. I said, you just get me out of this Republican complication, and I'll give my heart back to you. And he did, and I did. And what I'm saying is, is this. That he made this comment to me that really sold it to me. The right decision. He says, this is your last chance. Are you coming home or not? Then I didn't understand the full ramifications of that. But now I do. But what he was saying was that chances are he's going to stop dealing with me. He was going to stop convicting me. He was going to stop trying to get me to come back to him. Because that was my last chance for me to put my heart, my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so today, I stand before you a man who knew how to listen to the Holy Spirit. And here I am, ready to lead this church in the way that it needs to go. I see so many visitors here today, and I am so grateful for that. We've been praying for that. We're, we're seeing the results. And that's what I'm saying is we're going to see more and more results like this coming up. We're going to see this church grow, folks. Now, you may wonder, why is there a hymn book in every chair? Let me tell you. God spoke to me one Saturday evening because I was getting ready for Sunday morning. I was up here at the church. 
And the Lord said, Put his possible songbook in every chair and visualize a person. And so I did that. And that's why they're still here today. It wasn't a just a one-time thing. It was something that God said continue to do. And so here they are. They're all across this sanctuary this morning. And with every song, hopefully every every chair has a songbook in it. And, and visualize with me, if you would, a person sitting. And we'll see that happen. We're going to eventually see this church build up. I believe that. I wouldn't say it if I didn't. So I would encourage you today, not only one, to be sure that you continue to come to the house of the Lord. The Bible says this. It says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Well, yeah, Pastor, I understand that. But, you know, it's always more easy for me just to be able to sit back in my recliner, watching TV and see everything on TV. And I can either watch this live stream or I can go on to... Uh, Watch some other preacher preach, you know. As long as I'm getting the Word of God, that's all that should matter. Guess what? It's not. Because you need the body of Christ. You need the fellowship. You need to have your brothers and sisters in the Lord gathered together in one place at one time so that we can minister to the body as a whole. You know, it's important that we continue to gather together. So please, make the decision to come to the house of God and listen to the word of God and let it change your life. Let it minister to you. Don't just go out of here this morning and think, well, that was a good sermon, but it's not really applicable to my life. It's not really saying anything to me. Well, guess what? Not every sermon is for everybody. But there's going to be somebody here today that most likely needed so I'm here to tell you, let's just make sure that our hearts are right with God. And we will live our lives for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we will see that the King did come. Let's bow to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you today for your Holy Spirit. We thank you right now, working in each heart, each life that's in here right now. We thank you, dear God, that you're touching us and giving us, and maybe you're convicting us. Maybe we're like the person I said before that made the decision but fell away and needs to come back. Maybe that's them. Maybe there's somebody who's never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, and they need to today. Lord, don't let the devil talk them out of it one more time. Let them give their heart to Jesus today. And Lord, we just thank you right now, Father for having your way in our midst. But your will be accomplished and done, dear God, as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. For just a moment, I'm not going to embarrass anybody. But if you're one of those two people I mentioned, either fell away, accepted, fell away, need to come back, or if you've never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, and you want to today, would you raise your hand and let me pray with you the sinner's prayer? Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have been with us this morning. We thank you, dear God, that as we're about to pray the sinner's prayer, that, Lord, that people would bring self, that 
people would have salvation brought to their heart and life. We thank you and we praise you for that. We're going to take just a moment. And people that are watching by Facebook Live today, if there's any one of you that matched the description I gave all ago about needing Jesus, then I want you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we want you to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I confess my sins to you. I admit my guilt in the sins that I have committed. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to send Jesus to come into my heart and into my life and be my Lord and Savior from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Appreciate y'all. We love you. God bless. We're glad to have you visiting with us today. Hopefully you'll come back in tonight if you're not able to. Hopefully by next Sunday. We'll be glad to have you. Once again, remember Easter Sunday, we got the morning service from the night service. We also uh, are going to be having an Easter egg hunt following the morning service. We're going to be having a luncheon following the Easter egg hunt. So please come and be a part of that. I know you'll get a blessing out of it. And with that being said, we're going to be gathered together again here tonight at the church at 6 o'clock for the evening service. Let's stand and we're going to be dismissed in prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have been in your presence. Because God, your word says, for two or more gathered in your name, there you are in the midst. So Father, we thank you that you're true to your word. And that you have been in our midst and that you have or can continue to be with us as we even leave here today. We're leaving this building, but we're not leaving your presence. We can never do that. So, Father, we just thank you for putting your ever watchful eye and care upon us. Put us under your hand of protection. Keep us out of harm's way. Lord, just bless our time with our families today. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless y'all. We love you. You're dismissed.